0: welcome to relationships as spiritual practice bridging the secular and spiritual with your host lachelle lo shargay founder of mindful compassionate dialogue and wiseheart pdx good morning thank you for being here i'm happy to be here with you today And I'm bringing the topic of gaslighting and recognizing and setting boundaries with gaslighting. So today I wanna help you identify this harmful behavior and identify its opposite as well. In other words, that which inside yourself and with others, supports your access to wisdom and compassion and lastly to talk about some possibilities for setting boundaries when you encounter this behavior and i want to begin with the spiritual foundations that uh, are arising for me with regards to this topic So for me, an important foundation to remember here is that we are all capable of accessing wisdom and compassion and making life-serving decisions if we have supportive conditions to do so. But that's not something that can be taken away. That's part of naturally who you are. You come into this world, in my view, with this natural access to wisdom and compassion. And with that, there's a knowing that you are much more than what you believe, what you feel, what you think, or have access to in a given moment we have this understanding that the present moment is infinitely more grand and complex than your wildest imagination. So for me, we're this, this podcast and the work that I do in the world is resting on that. And the second thing that is particularly relevant for this topic of gaslighting is this notion that I firmly stand on that everything everyone ever does is an attempt to meet a universal need or align with the energy of a universal need. Or sometimes we use the word value. And gaslighting, the behavior of gaslighting, is a very tragic strategy that someone is using to meet a particular need of theirs, presumably. And so I just want to briefly mention some possibilities for that, but I don't want to go into that aspect. So some guesses I would have if someone is engaging this strategy of gaslighting which I'm assuming is an unconscious strategy. There's not the awareness of the high cost of this strategy to both themselves and the other person. That they might be trying to meet a need for self-acceptance and that they know more, right? The strategy to show that they know more than the other person or they have some special access to the truth. They might be trying to meet a need for contribution or being one up in the conversation. Perhaps they're trying to meet a need for emotional security or perhaps it's a strategy for control in which case there might be a need for predictability. So all that might be going on for someone all that or part of that might be going on for someone who's engaging in this behavior we call gaslighting. So let's get into um, a description. So we're in a shared reality. I'm using a term that you're familiar with and let's get even more clear. Partly so we're in a shared reality and also because one of the most powerful strategies for not falling into the clutches of this form of manipulation is to be able to recognize it the moment it begins. The longer you're exposed to this form of manipulation, the higher the probability that you will be caught by it. So, recognizing what might be happening inside of you and what specific behaviors or words the other might be using so that it sends off an alarm for you to pause action go to the bathroom get out of there for a moment examine what's happening and establish yourself in your center okay let's take a look So we could say that gaslighting is a constellation of behaviors that mm, has the mechanical function of putting someone in power over and putting you in power under. We already talked about the needs, but mechanically it's functioning in this way, in this power dynamic. So the person offering offering is not the right word right engaging in this tragic strategy of gaslighting is taking a position of power over of someone who knows better than you and for this strategy to be harmful then you are slipping into the consciousness of power under and believing this delusion that the other knows better And so as you slip into a state of consciousness called power under, and particularly with gaslighting, then internally you will likely notice some of the following. A sense of mental fogginess or confusion. A sense of shrinking in your energy, in your body. Shame, anger, self-doubt, disorientation, Some sense of being hypnotized or going into a trance. If you're all the way in the trance, you probably recognize that afterwards, unfortunately. Um, Escalated self-criticism. You hear yourself apologizing repeatedly. Or out loud, you're self-criticizing out loud. You're asking for forgiveness. Your body posture collapses shrinks, your shoulders slump, you make less eye contact, your head bows. Take a moment and reflect on that list. If you're thinking about a moment of someone's doing gaslighting and you're slipping into power under, what's the most obvious symptom for you that's happening? hmm maybe you all maybe another symptom would be you you move into kind of a hyperactive state you escalate your energy escalates as well you're more reactive okay let's look at the external signs what you could watch for in the other person that would cue you, oh, take a pause, the other person might be engaging in this tragic strategy of gaslighting. So any version of telling you that what you experienced wasn't real or valid, and then following that up with various arguments to prove their point, that you misperceived, it's all in your mind. You're just making stuff up. Mm. You're imagining things. You're just oversensitive. You're blowing things out of proportion. This isn't any big deal. Nothing happened this is normal this happens with everybody it's not a big deal you're 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 over you're reacting in a weird way right so it can take a lot of forms either attacking you directly and telling you you're weird there's something wrong with your memory your perceptual system or the way you think and feel or invalidating the experience itself. It didn't happen that way. You you didn't see things as they happened. Any, and then, so that that's telling, but it can also come in the form of questioning, which might be a little harder to catch, right? Questions like, well, are you sure that's what you saw? Well, is that what you were thinking or were you really thinking something else? Well, do you believe what you're telling yourself? Well, are you sure you were there in that moment or are you just adding that to your memory afterwards? Do you think you could be confusing that with another time? So these a series of questions that triggers doubt in you. And then there's another type of questioning or telling that's especially dangerous if the person has some access to advanced vocabulary and psychology because it might sound very important and convincing so questioning might sound something like are you sure that's just not ptsd coming up because that's not what i perceived um i think that's your shadow talking that's not your light talking what would the light being in you say So there can also be some religious or spiritual vocabulary that comes to play here. And it's it's not about what is said, right? Because that's part of the trap. Someone very astute might actually say something that's analytically true of your past experience or your current experience the point is not what they say the point is the impact on you for me analysis of our experience comes if it comes at all it comes much later down the path after healing comfort empathy companionship acceptance so gaslighting may be happening purely due to the confusion of the other person that imagines if they analyze you or help you analyze yourself that you're going to feel better for me that's an example of imagining that a mental solution will help with an emotional difficulty when we do healing work or any kind of work to transform and grow, we want to match the issue, we want to match the remedy with the type of issue. Right? The same is true if you're in a spiritual crisis and someone contacts only your emotional experience, that also won't be helpful. So there's that important aspect to keep in mind. So someone with an advanced vocabulary, either spiritually, psychologically, emotionally, might be saying accurate things. And the important thing is for you to notice, did I give them permission to enter into the sacred world of my inner experience and make a commentary (laughs) there? Make a commentary, dissect me, give me advice. Did I give permission for that? If you didn't give permission for that, then there's a good chance that that won't be helpful because that's not what you're looking for. And there's a trap there as well because listening to this, if you're listening to this podcast, that means that you really value growth. You really value self-responsibility. And so the you who values growth might want to bypass the part of you that needs comfort, reassurance, shared humanity, empathy, care, emotional care, or spiritual care, whatever the case may be. And so what happens when you try to bypass that part of you is that you take in mental information from a fragmented state or we could say that's a big word big psychological word right we could say a disconnected state a state in which you you haven't integrated the emotional spirit experience and so you're still caught in the reactive emotions of that experience and so the you who receives the mental analysis is a you who's looking for what's wrong, looking to confirm shame or anger. And so, that's not helpful, (laughs) right? When we're ready to take in mental information or analysis about ourselves, we're sitting with the question, what's new for me to discover and enjoy? about learning and growing and that question comes from a foundation in i'm already enough i'm already good enough i'm already loved and accepted fully and if i'm receiving information that helps me grow i'm doing that because i enjoy doing that because that's an adventure a discovery that doesn't mean it's always pleasant right of course It's a different state of consciousness that receives analysis and makes good use of it. That's what I want you to hear here. So fancy words and accuracy does not mean it's not gaslighting. For our purposes here, I prefer to define gaslighting essentially at its core using the measure of the impact on you. I think that's helpful in two ways. It doesn't make the other person evil, bad, for doing whatever they're doing. And it gives you this center point in yourself, right? So I'm not expecting you to pause and accuse the other person of gaslighting. I'm expecting you to to notice whatever the other person's doing I'm not expanding and relaxing I'm contracting I'm losing my sense of my center and my goodness okay let's look at just a couple more um, symptoms and then we'll move on symptoms uh, that gaslighting might be happening with that advanced vocabulary or without it the other person might start to insist that you receive what they're saying. You really should be open. If you were an open person, you would be willing to hear what I have to say. Like be courageous right now. Don't, don't hide in fear of what I'm about to say. You need to hear the truth about who you are and what you've done. So that kind of insistence about what you should do and if you were such and such a person, you would accept their advice and their analysis danger. (laughs) Back away as quickly as you can from that line of reasoning in the other person. Hmm. It's really painful. It creates a lot of pain. That hmm, stance. When someone takes the stance, I know better than you what you should do and receive right now. For me, that's, that's a form of violence. It's undermining this foundation that says we all have access to inner wisdom given supportive conditions. So any insistence that they know better, they have more knowledge, they have more experience, they've perceived events more accurately than you, they're less sensitive, they're more whole, They're more integrated, they're more evolved, they're more advanced. Any of this kind of thing is a sign to take a pause, go to the bathroom, get out of there. Also, the insistence from the other person, another form of insistence, is that they did nothing wrong and it's completely your fault. Anything one-sided like that is a symptom that this is probably not gonna be a supportive interaction. In my mind, it's never one person's fault, never. The web of causality is infinitely complex. And even without understanding that infinite complexity, Just the action of someone looking for how they might have contributed to a difficulty is mutual responsibility, even if they can't find it. And that's a level of respect and care for you and for the relationship. Okay. Those are some signs and symptoms. I would encourage you to sit down and write out how they live for you, what you notice on the inside and what you notice with the other person. And see if you, I'm sure you'll come up with more than what I named. Okay, so let's look at more or less the opposite of gaslighting. So it's, Equally, if not more important, for you to identify that which does support your access to wisdom and compassion. And let's look at some internal signs and symptoms, just the same, and external signs that support with regard to access to wisdom and compassion is happening so if you're receiving support whether from a person an animal an environment set of circumstances then internally you would notice some or all of the following that you relax and expand doesn't mean totally or completely doesn't mean there's not reactive parts holding on for dear life but there's some space around those parts There's some sense of a you that's expanding. You have at least some connection that you're okay, even if you made a mistake or did something you regret. Right? There's some basic level of self acceptance that's living in the mix. There's a you in there that sees possibilities for healing for repair, for moving on, for doing things differently next time. At some point, you remember what's essential for you. You remember what's most important. This might be identifying a universal need, or it might be remembering, oh, what was my intention when I did what I did that I now regret? You might remember a beautiful intention. You remember and recognize that you're always doing the best you can under particular circumstances. So this is a form of self-forgiveness. There's some sense of, oh, I did the best I could yeah. There's some willingness to grieve. When we have a willingness to grieve the impact of our behavior on others or ourself, that's a form of self-acceptance as well, an acceptance of the situation. And underneath that grief is the hope that it can be different. You also will become aware of sources of support that opens the door to access wisdom and compassion when you remember ah beyond this small situation there's support there's support in your meditation practice there's support with a particular friend there's support in nature or with an animal various types of support enter into your awareness and you begin to get specific ideas about how you would do it differently next time. Perhaps. So these are all signs of entering into a more relaxed or expansive state of consciousness. You might also notice a greater level of mental clarity. With mental clarity, you start to see the relationship between various parts of an experience. You start to see, oh yeah, right before I did that, I had forgotten to eat lunch and I was low blood sugar. And then right before I entered into that situation, traffic was really intense. You start to kind of connect the whole network of the event, the most mm, recent influencing factors. And as you begin to link little bits of cause and effect, you're able to do so in a non-blaming way. You're able to say, ah, right, I skipped lunch because I really wanted to finish that meeting. And then when I skipped lunch, I wasn't as resourced when I heard that stimulus from the other person. Ah, yes, of course, I've seen that pattern before. And you're able to name parts of your experience that you were completely unaware of before. Oh, and now I remember that I was holding on to something that Jack had said last week. And there was a little nod in my stomach before our meeting. Right, Your, your scope of awareness starts to expand and you access various levels of your experience and are mentally able to name those. You begin to entertain alternate interpretations for the same event. Oh, well, I perceive this, and maybe he wasn't angry at me. Maybe he was just frustrated that his printer died, right? Things like that begin to occur occur to you. And again, it's a matter of a state of consciousness. We talked about alternate interpretations for events from the gaslighting perspective. But alternate interpretations for events, when they occur from an expanded place, present themselves as possibilities, not as doubting a previous interpretation in the way of mm, shrinking or shaming or becoming lost. It's more like, oh, I hold my previous interpretation a little more lightly, it could be valid, and so could this other interpretation. It's more like that. You also begin to sort what you're responsible for in a given context and what the other person is responsible for. So de-enmeshment. You might begin to connect. If your strategy is to kind of shut down or completely disconnect, you might come back with some warmth for the other person or some understanding for them. There's a sense of warmth that might enter in, and you notice that coming online. You might begin to see the situation in a larger context in the larger context of a family system if that's relevant or of a particular community or social system that you're in either your immediate community or the broader social matrix or you might see it in the context of economic systems understanding that it's not all personal to you that we're living in systems that don't support equity Fairness, transparency, honest, honesty. Well, not all systems, but most of our larger systems are lacking in a lot of basic support. Okay. So those are a few internal signs of supportive conditions of you accessing wisdom and compassion. Let's look at some external signs. A person, I don't think I mentioned this in the gaslighting side. So the opposite of supportive, when someone's in gaslighting, their posture and their body movements might be more staccato. They might be moving into your space without your permission physically. They might be standing over you or shaking their head, there's signals that they're stronger and better in their body. That could have a lot of variability, but just to give you an idea. And the opposite is true in supportive conditions. Um, The person is more likely to have a relaxed body posture. And relaxed doesn't mean immobile or resting. Someone can be relaxed and very animated in their body. Relaxed means a lack of tension. But their body still might be forward, might be in your physical space, but that entry into your physical space is in response to attunement, which we could say is the overarching mm, sign that someone, or the overarching variable, that most likely leads to supportive conditions. There's a sense of attuning and responding to your verbal and nonverbal communication. There's gestures of affection and care, if that's wanted by you, there might be smile or expression of compassion and understanding. There might be offers to bring you a cup of tea or go for a walk with you, offers of actions that they're guessing might meet your needs. And the difference between offering these things and telling you what's right for you is that an offer really lives for you as something you can say no to. And when you say no, sometimes we don't know until we say no. When you say no, I don't want a cup of tea. And the other person remains present and doesn't have a reaction to that. That's a good sign that it was an offer and not a demand or a telling or an advice giving. With words, you're likely, what often leads to the most supportive conditions are beginning with shared humanity. I've done the same many times. I often get lost there too or... Ooh, if I imagine that stimulus from that person, I, I too can imagine reacting in the way you did. You know, whatever's genuine there, that shared humanity goes a long way for helping you enter into self-acceptance. Empathy, classic empathy, guessing at your feelings and needs, or doing so silently, being curious about your experience. The other person readily and easily takes responsibility for their own interpretations or misinterpretations, for their own actions. They offer an apology for the impact of their actions or reactivity on you very easily. This helps to relax defensiveness in both of you, right? Each each names and takes responsibility. The person might remind you of your resources, right? They might remind you of times when you handled the same situation effortlessly. They might remind you about people who love you, care about you. Whatever the resources are in your life that are relevant to the situation you're in, they might remind you of those to help you Expand your sense of the moment. They might remind you about your most cherished values and what you care about. They might remind you of your good intention. They might remind you that you're doing the best you can. They might remind you that in the big picture, this is one little event and will pass, that you've succeeded many times even though it didn't work out this time. It's amazing how easy it can be when we're caught in a self-critic to forget all the times we succeeded with something or we celebrated something we did. And again, all of this reminding is ideally in response to an attunement about what might land for you or what you might be looking for. They, they might ask for permission. Would you like me to remind you of some successes in the past? Or would you like me to help you remember what your intention was? Those kinds of questions are good signs that the person is living in power with. Foundationally, the other person is seeking to be with you in your experience and to understand the parts of the experience that are important to you. Really different from trying to understand what's important to them, right? It's not about them gaining some mental clarity for their sake because it's an interesting story or because they wanna be able to give you advice or whatever it is. They're seeking to understand the part of the experience that's important to you. That's essential. And of course, there's a welcoming and a validating of your experience. So important, right? A lot of that happens in shared humanity. Oh, I would've felt that way too, or I also got lost there, or things like that, are strategies for validation. Little phrases like, it's okay to feel what you feel. Your tears are not a burden for me. All of your emotions are welcome here. I'm available to hear each part of you speak. Those are all forms of validating your experience. And as we talked about before, there's a lot of seeking permission before offering something that you haven't already named especially offering advice ideally advice giving doesn't even happen in a mo- in a moment of emotional or spiritual difficulty right there's first the receiving and then there's that feeling of shift in you like whatever it was has integrated and now you're ready for something new that's when someone might give advice or or you might out loud start to express your ideas for how to move forward. Okay. Does that all sound familiar? Have you have it had experiences like that of supportive conditions in your life? A lot of those things might be things that Intuitively, you recognize and we're just naming them here, or intuitively, you offer them and we're just naming them here. And it's my bias that the more clearly we can name what works, the easier it gets to make requests in that regard, to recognize and move towards those resources and supports. So I invite you to adopt that practice as well of naming what works, whether it's verbally or in art or in conversation or however you do that. It doesn't have to be in list form like it is here. Okay, are you ready for the last thing? Setting boundaries with gaslighting. Well, of course, the key... The first key for me that I like to talk about is naming all the things we just named, being very clear about those signs and symptoms that it's happening. And for me, I think it's more reliable the moment you notice something like that to get up and move your body. Go to the bathroom, get a drink of water, because the body is heavily involved, right? And just to move the body to stretch, to open your chest, to take a deep breath, anything like that will help regulate your body and bring you back from whatever reactive process started to occur moving into power under. So I really don't recommend trying to talk your way out of a gaslighting situation. I might name that as the worst possible strategy. Gaslighting in particular, maybe I'm saying, or my experience is, is particularly verbal. And so if you're trying to interrupt a verbal reactive dynamic with more words, it's almost like you're giving more fuel for the other person that's caught in that reactive pattern of gaslighting you to keep going. Contraindicated arguing with gaslighting. (laughs) So if you can't get up and move right away, then what you can do is immediately pull your attention away from what the other person is saying, even if you're still looking at them and focus on your center and have an anchor. I recommend getting an anchor ready for gaslighting, having a specific anchor for that situation. If you're listening and you don't know what an anchor is, you can see the handout on my website. It's basically a way of accessing a resource that brings you back into the expansive you—a memory, a powerful experience, a mantra, a motion with your hand, etc. So setting set a boundary by getting up and moving your body going to the bathroom getting a cup of tea um if if it's with someone you live with then maybe something more extensive would be even more helpful oh i think the dog wants out i'm going to take the dog for a walk it's really helpful to have a dog and take that dog for a walk it gets us outside and gets us our gets our bodies moving right Or I need to go to the pharmacy before it closes and get my prescription, right? In the moment, you may not be able to say what's happening with accuracy. So, you know, honesty isn't about we say everything that's happening all the time. Honesty, first, is about being honest with yourself. Oh. I'm starting to get caught in a gaslighting dynamic and I don't know if I trust myself to talk my way out of it and to share what's happening or if I trust this other person. So I'm going to take care of something else that needs taken care of which will also help me regulate. I'm going to take out the trash, go get my prescription, take the dog for a walk, whatever it is. So movement as the first way to set the boundary. If you've been practicing with this and you feel pretty confident that you've practiced with gaslighting a lot and you're, you're confident that you're mm, able to stay in the physical environment with the other person, then you can just change your posture, sit up, and say something like, we're going down a road that I don't want to go down right now. I'm not, I don't want to talk any more about this i am curious about how your kids are doing because you said they changed into a new school they're they're starting at a new school do you want to tell me so you you clearly say you don't want to continue with that topic and then introduce a new topic that is genuinely interesting for both of you that's one strategy for setting a boundary if You have a lot of rapport with this person, and you have a good amount of practice, even more practice, then your request and your boundary could get more specific. I'm perceiving what you're saying as entering into my karma, my experience, and all I'm wanting right now is reassurance, or a hug, or empathy. Saying what you do want. If the person really is wanting to genuinely help, then that will be a huge gift to them. I'm not wanting to analyze what happened for me. I'm just wanting a hug. I'm wanting reassurance, cheerleading, empathy, whatever it is you're wanting. Information, I don't know. Another, it also might sound something like this, even more direct or explicit. I hear you talking about me I'm willing to hear your experience and express mine. I'm not interested in hearing your evaluation or interpretation of my experience. Would you be willing to share what happened for you in that moment? Or would you be willing to reflect back what what you heard me say just now about my experience? So that's a very specific intervention. It's a verbal intervention. So hopefully you're only doing that if you have a lot of practice. If someone is really caught in gaslighting and you do an intervention like that, they might counter with, oh, so you're not available to, you won't be open with me. So you don't want to grow. You don't want to improve. You don't want to hear me because what I have to say is about you. So there's these, Verbal comebacks that I'm not doing it as well as I would like to. They're more slippery than that. And I have trouble imitating them. They're so slippery. I have trouble remembering how they go. The key is if you offer that explicit boundary setting. The key is that you are not movable from that boundary. And so it's like. Someone's throwing you a ball and instead of catching the ball and throwing it back you just do this You dodge the ball and you return to your point. I'm not willing to hear your evaluation of my experience Would you be willing willing to just reflect back and then I'd be available to hear your experience of yourself? Okay, other simple phrases might be oh, thanks I'm not looking for advice right now, simple like that. I'm just looking for, if you can say what you're looking for, even better. I just want to be heard if you're willing to listen and offer empathy and I can hear a no if you're not, if you're not up for listening right now. More, even more advanced and has more trust. I'm starting to feel worse. Let's do something else. Let's talk about something else. Or could you just offer me empathy if they have that skill? Thanks for trying to help. That's not working for me. Would you be willing to? Or what would help is? Thanks, I see that you want to help. I'm okay. How's your garden doing, (laughs) right? Change the subject. Okay, and then I just wanna do a little piece in partnerships and then I'll close. In, in partnerships, it's, more, it's important to define what support looks like for you in the moment of a challenging emotion or situation. Your partner wasn't born knowing what support looks like for you. So it's important that you make agreements like that with each other and that you know for them what's important. I say partnerships, but I mean in any intimate relationship would be a better way to say the context I'm talking about right now. And to have an explicit agreement that you can say, an agree, explicit agreement might sound something like this. Anytime I hear something from you that has me invalidate or doubt my own experience or perception I will call a pause so that I can reconnect with myself. And you might come up with a signal to call a pause when you notice that what's happening isn't helping, isn't helping, it's a little more general. You might state or make an agreement that you don't give each other analysis or advice unless it's asked for or if you're really anxious to give a piece of advice that you ask before offering it. In any conflict, you're on the lookout for ways that both people are taking responsibility for interpretations, actions, and apologizing without guilt and shame for any negative impact their behavior has had. And then there's a willingness to make a plan, a specific and doable plan for what will work better next time. Okay. I'm having a judgment that this is a long podcast. This is one of the, of the longer ones. It's a big topic. So hopefully the length was corresponding to your interest level and what you needed and hopefully it serves you. Hmm. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for all you do to support this world entering into compassion, equity, love. Thank you radiating love from my heart to yours you can learn more about mindful compassionate dialogue and find free resources live offerings and self-paced workshops online at www.wiseheartpdx.org You can also connect with Wise Heart on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube, or by emailing info at wiseheartpdx.org.